0: Certainly good to be back with you all again this afternoon to worship God together. We're thankful for the Forest Hill Church of Christ. I know that they've been a blessing to my family for so many years, and it's a privilege to get to worship with you now and be a part of this congregation. If you were to think about some things that you would like to be able to do, but you just can't, what would come to mind? Perhaps you would say, well, I would like to be able to get on a plane and fly off To some land to have a wonderful vacation for months. And if you could do that, I bet you would. But you can't, right? You've got things and responsibilities at home to be worried about and to take care of. You might say, well, if I could, I would quit my job and I would never work again in my life if I would be able to be taken care of financially. And if we could do that, many of us might decide to do just that. But you can't, can you? Maybe you have bills to pay, and you've got something that you have to work hard for to provide, and so what you'd like to do, you're not able to do. All of those things that might come to your mind this afternoon are understandable, and if you could do them, you probably would. I'm going to talk to you this afternoon about three things that you might want to change, but you can't. Things that you might want to know, but you can't. When you and I think about the idea of time, wouldn't you like to hit a button and gain years back? So many times have we seen throughout the years, movies be made, books be written about the idea of going back in time and changing something. And perhaps it's something that you would like to do differently. Maybe you wouldn't want to be in the car the day you have a fender bender. Maybe you wouldn't want to deal with some of the problems that you have where you find out, oh, because of something that happened now, you're facing an immense difficulty. And if you could press a button and go back to right before that decision was made, you'd do it differently, understandably so. And as all of us think this afternoon about some things that we thought, we we think so much about past, present, future. I want us to first talk about the idea of, if you and I could change the past, we would, wouldn't we? You think about some of the horrible major events that have happened in our country's history and our world's history. If I say the word Holocaust, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to really stop for a moment and think about it. You know the horrible event that that was. If I say 9-11 in this country, that means quite a bit. Do you hear all the time on the news about a different school shooting that's taken place? different horrible act that's been done by someone to another. And all of those things that are now in the past, if anybody could press a button and go back and change them, so many people would choose to do that. That's understandable. There are so many tragic events that have happened in our history as a world, as a country that we would want to change. But what about your own life? Would you go back and do things differently if you were given the opportunity to? I would. You see, I've got things in my life that I know I messed up in the past. I didn't make the right decision. I didn't do what was right, what was Christ-like. And it caused pain and it caused heartache and it caused difficulty. And if I could take it back, I would. If I could press a button, go back to the very day that those things happened and talk to myself and say, this is what's going to happen if you do this. I would do everything I could to try to change that. And I'm not alone in that. You're not alone in that. You know, there are people even in scripture that we can find that I believe you could say wanted to change their past. If you think for a moment about Moses, Moses was one who wanted to change his past. You remember what he did when he was told to speak to the rock, but he struck the rock instead and was told because of what you've done, You're not going to be granted entrance into the promised land. Now, sometimes parents will give a punishment to a child and then they will show grace or mercy. And they'll say, I'm not going to punish you anymore. And evidently, Moses had hoped that that would happen with God. Moses hoped that maybe, just maybe, God would change his mind and allow him entrance into the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 2, he said to them, I am 121 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. And Moses was indeed, Deuteronomy 34, 7, 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And you might think, well, he must have made peace with it. No, he really hadn't made peace with it at one point in his life. Because, in fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, that same book in chapter 3, verses 23 through 26, Moses is begging the Lord to let him into the promised land. Please let me in. And God finally says, don't you ask me anymore. It's not happening. Do you think if a news reporter right after that had happened, as we so often see in the sporting world, could walk up to Moses and say, what are you thinking right now? What do you think he'd say? I regret what I did. I wish I hadn't done that. But it happened. And there was nothing that Moses could do to change what he had done. And the consequence for what he had done was firm. He had no other way but to deal with what he had done and to be punished for it as well. Moses isn't the only one we find, though, in the Bible wanting to change their past. Paul, even after being forgiven, spent a good portion of his writing at times focusing back on what he had done in the previous life that he lived before becoming a Christian. In fact, we find Paul saying in Acts 23 and verse 1 that he had stood in all good conscience before this day, the day that he met Jesus and was told to go into the city of Damascus and he would be told what he needed to do. He had no reason to have any type of concern for the way that he was living his life. But the moment that he learned what he had been doing and learned that he had been actually persecuting Jesus, he changed. But we find on two occasions, one in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, where he says that he was the least of the apostles. How is it that an individual man who wrote, if you want to take the position that he wrote the book of Hebrews, that's a hotly contested debate, but if you did include that, he wrote over half the New Testament. How could that man say, I am least of all the apostles? Because he had something on his mind something that he knew he had done and he couldn't get over it. And that's not some problem that we've done away with. I've had conversations with people, as I'm sure you have before that have said, you just don't understand what I've done. You just don't understand. I I cannot be, there's no way God could forgive me for what I did. Paul evidently felt the same way to a degree. I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because of the persecution that I brought upon his church. But he also said in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15 that he was the chief of sinners. Paul, do you want to change what you had done? If you could go back and even though you've been forgiven and redeemed, Paul, do you still wish you hadn't done what you did? Absolutely. If I could change my past, I would. And you and I could say the same thing. If you could change the past, you would. But you can't. There's no magic button. There's no time machine. What you and I have done in our past is set. And even as we think about this next one, we have a little bit more control over the present, but if you and I wanted to change the present, we'd probably do it too, wouldn't we? But we can't. I don't know what it's like to experience the loss of my spouse. I pray I have a lot longer to go before I deal with that. But the fact of the matter is for those of us that have dealt with that very thing, our present is forever changed. And if we could change that present, we would do it. But we can't. There are certain things that happen in life that become our present that are not changeable. People are in a doctor's office and told, I'm sorry, but you have a lifelong condition. This is now your present. And if you could change it, you would. You'd press that button, but you can't. Sometimes when it comes to changing our present, when we think of the idea that no one is exempt, it's not just a 21st century problem, you and I go back to the Bible and we find this idea of Elijah, being told by Jezebel that I'm going to kill you. If it's the last thing I do. And Elijah's present is less than ideal. And so he says to God, why don't you kill me instead? Take my life. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want this to be my present. I don't want to deal with this. Lord, change it for me. Take my life. I'd rather die than deal with this problem. Aren't you glad that God sent an angel instead and told Elijah, get back to work? Aren't you glad that God didn't say, okay, give up? It can be so easy sometimes when we face something that seems insurmountable. We can't get past it to just want to throw in the towel and call it quits. But Elijah wasn't given that opportunity. In fact, even Jesus would come to this earth later on in life and say, I don't want to die this way. My present circumstance of coming here and dying on the cross in such a cruel and awful fashion, I'm not looking forward to it. And if there is another way, can you make it possible? Can you show me that way? Jesus has the best reaction to when our present isn't necessarily the best for us. Lord, whatever it is, if it's your will, I'm going to do it. No matter whether it means I die on the cross in such a horrible fashion or whether there's some other way, I will only do your will even if it means something unpleasant for me. And we find ourselves looking at Paul once more in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 6 through 10, it asked the Lord on three occasions to remove this thorn in the flesh. Don't really know what it was. But it was evidently difficult enough for Paul to say on three occasions, please remove this from me. And the Lord's response in verse number 9, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking it away. You know, Paul had miraculous power. And technically speaking, he had the power to be able to snap his fingers, do whatever, and get rid of that infirmity that he had. But that wasn't the proper use of miracles. So Paul pleaded with the Lord. And when he was told, no, it's not happening, Paul said, well, then I will take pleasure in what I'm dealing with presently. It's hard because so many of us would like to change our present, but we can't. And I wish we could, because I know the heartache that can happen is not easy. But Paul and Jesus give us the best answer, which is to push on, to do the will of the Father, and to trust in him. Finally, I want you to think for just a moment about the one that we so often ponder over, Not many plans are made for the present, you know. We make them sometimes, but we almost are always planning about the future. How many conversations have you had with your family, your spouse, your friends about what your future looks like? About where you'll be in five years? That seems like a small amount of time but it's really not. Five years is a pretty decent amount, amount of time here. Five years from now, Lord willing, I'll turn 33. Five years from now, my son, Lord willing, will be nine. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Five years from now, Lord willing, my baby girl, We'll be getting close to that mark herself. You think it's a small amount of time? Five years. Five years ago, I started local work with a dear friend. Things happen so fast. Things change and move and, and they grow and they get to the point where people move away and If I could tell you what your future looked like five years from now, how many of you would wanna know? I would. I am the worst at being surprised. I almost always accidentally, mind you, I promise you, discover at least one Christmas present that I'm going to be getting. It happened this past week. I opened a box that I thought was mine. It was my mom's. And guess whose gifts were inside it? Mine. And I had to go to her and say, I'm so sorry. I did it again. My wife has said that she can't plan a surprise party for me because I'm too superstitious about that stuff. I'm just too cautious. And uh, I don't know, why you want me to go here at this time? That seems strange, is there a party? I wanna know if there's a game going on and worship has been taking place. The moment that I get a chance to do it, I'm going to check my phone and check the score. As soon as worship's over, I'm gonna wanna find out what's going on. I can't wait, I don't like waiting. Spoilers, I'm fine with them. Spoil it for me, I wanna know. And the hardest thing for me to deal with is I can't know everything. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. Worse, I don't know what problems I'm going to face in five years. It would be one thing if I could know where I'll be five years from today. But if I let you pick, you can pick between where you'll be in five years or what problems you'll face in five years. Which one? Probably picking this one, right? The problems so that you can prepare and be ready. I probably would pick that one too. I don't know. I wish I did. But the Bible gives me comfort on this subject where it tells me that only God truly is the one who knows the future we're told in deuteronomy 29 29 that the secret things belong to the lord there's just some things you and i won't know and i have to make peace with that i have to be okay with that i'm not entitled to every bit of information that this world has ever had a part of it it's not my right just because i became a christian for god to then say well now you must know all of the secrets Now you get to know every little detail and every little thing. Some things are just not for me to know or for us to know. But even in Jeremiah 33 and verse 33, God can do great and mighty things that we don't know about. We won't know. God's not going to call us up and tell us. There are things that only God knows. And probably the most important of all And the most obvious one is judgment day. Only he knows when that's coming. Not even Jesus knows when the judgment day is coming. And so if you and I could know the future, we probably would say that we'd like to. But we can't. I'm young. I'm not trying to profess that I'm an older man and that I've been around the block enough to know but when I saw this picture in preparation for this lesson and thinking about what it could mean from an illustration purpose it hurt to look at because you hold that newborn baby in your hands and the hourglass is full the sands have just begun to start trickling down to the end and you and I watch as that baby grows, develops its personality, and becomes a young person, graduates, goes to college, graduates, meets the love of their life Has children of their own, and the hourglass is getting more and more full on one side and emptier and emptier on the other until eventually we find ourselves taking our last breath. and it's empty. The time has run out and it all feels like a blur. It just feels like the other day that they handed me that boy in the hospital. And I'll wake up tomorrow and he'll be 20 because that's usually how it works. And one day, myself, my son, all of us will experience what it's like to no longer have our parents around for it to be just us. Time is moving on and we can spend all of our time being caught up on the things that we've done in our past and I can understand why we would do that. We could be all caught up on what our present situation is And we could be so concerned with what the future holds and trying to figure it out. And if you could, you would, but you can't. And so there is one thing that we must do. It's to realize what James said in James chapter 4, our life is a vapor. It's here for a moment and it vanishes away. So, what will we do with it? I want to live right now, looking to the future day of judgment, being prepared for what's coming, so that I can be in heaven with my Lord. And I trust that that's your mission too. But perhaps you've gotten to a point where you've taken your eye off of that prize, things have gotten in the way, and you're struggling you can change that present circumstance, thankfully. You can come back, be restored, and God will put you back into the family of God as if you never left. If you have not obeyed the gospel, the book of Acts tells us, if you will hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, that you can become a child of God. But if we will all do what Acts 2, 42 through 47 tells us, We will live like the first century church and continue in our faith.